Have you ever sat there in your keto lifestyle and looked at your grand plate of meat and think, I have no dessert? Well, we're about ready to sweeten up your day. Hit the music and let's get started. Joining me today is the Willy Wonka of the keto confectionery world. It is James Baum, and much like Frank Baum, who brought to you a fantastical world of creatures and events, James, my man, brings delicious desserts to the keto world. James, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I can't complain. Yourself? I'm doing fine. Thank you for joining me. So. James is another friend of mine who I've met through going to Eric the Trainer's gym. James, when I met him, came in with this box of unbelievable, delicious baked goods that are not the kind of thing you would expect to get on keto, certainly not four years ago. What I want to ask you, James, is, well, you know, I do keto. I've fallen off. I'm getting back on. But when I started doing keto, it was meats and it was cheeses. It was whole foods. There was no snack or dessert that you can really have. You were an early adopter of keto before it really was keto, before it was branded, before you could go to the store and just, you know, get Quest chips. Mm -hmm. How did you, what, what's your story? How did you get to this point? So obviously as a kid, we, we didn't have any of that option. Right. And, um, I didn't know sugar was bad. Trick or treat was awesome. And candy was great. But as, as you get older, you know, you kind of were like, okay, maybe sugar bad for your teeth. And that's as far as I knew. But what happened was I graduated high school in 2002. And then 2003, my, uh, one of my best friends, he, he has epilepsy. Um, he passed away from an epileptic seizure. And at that time, I didn't know that you know, reducing your carbohydrates, specifically sugar, but carbohydrates as a whole, um, would reduce the seizures you would get. And obviously, you know, you're 19, so it doesn't really dawn on you. And the idea of death doesn't dawn on you at 19, like you're going to live forever. Yeah. I mean, it really, it threw me off. But then when I was like, okay, maybe there's a correlate, if sugar is bad for your teeth, and I was starting to think, you know, maybe it's bad for other things too. And so at that time, you know, I was, Google was kind of fairly new. You know, and, and searching the web was new, but you know, podcasts and audio casts weren't. So then I started listening to doctors that were doing uh, low carbohydrate, uh, you know, just for teeth stuff. And one of the, the the audios they were talking about epilepsy, and it was like, whoa, what is this? And so I started doing more research, and I found out that uh, for epilepsy, uh, that if you can reduce your carbohydrates, it would really be beneficial and I'm like well let me try it just for myself to see what it's like not having carbohydrates I didn't know there was a thing as non-essential carbohydrates meaning that we don't need carbs I didn't know that I was like oh we have to have it like you need energy but I didn't know you can use fats as energy there is a lot of research that shows that epileptic seizures things like autism are exacerbated Mm -hmm. by a heavy use of carbohydrates and a large presence of glucose in the body yes and I didn't know that at the time, me being autistic myself. Um, but as I started doing research, I was like, oh, wow, there's more to this. And maybe it's the media and, and the, these boxed food companies that are really pushing things. And, of 
course, you know, we like our cereals. And But as I started realizing, thousands of years ago, we didn't have this kind of medical issues that we have now. And what were they eating? Whole foods, like you were saying. We also didn't have access to the kinds of foods we had. It was not the plentiful basket of dietary goods that are readily available to us is a product of the industrial revolution. It's, it's modern yes. times prior to that. We did not have things like readily available white breads or sugars or anything. That's all modern or even even like mass produced fruit. I mean, thousands of years ago, I look at it as it's seasonal. You know, you only had so much fruit. So your carbs, your fruit carbs were spread over. You had 10 bananas over a season versus now you can go to the supermarket and buy 10 bananas in a day. You know, it's slightly different. The convenience factor. Yeah, you can. I think it's easier now to get more carbs nowadays compared to, you know, maybe when our grandparents or, you know, way back in the day when you had to grow your own agriculture. Agriculture, you know, was seasonal. So it's not like you had hunting. I mean, you only had so much grains, so much you know, vegetables, so much fruits, whereas meats, I think, were year round. I want to ask you another question because you did mention because we were talking about the whole idea of the epilepsy and autism. Mm -hmm. I, I am not somebody who was or is autistic or okay. on, on the spectrum of any kind, but I've always been curious. One, if, if you're comfortable talking about it. Of course, of course. Autism comes in many different shapes and sizes so i'm on the spectrum when you switched from having a standard american diet to one that was restricted in carbohydrates would you say that you felt any neurological differences i was able to focus better that's for sure because i know as a kid i had tutors my whole life you know and i didn't know that learning required you know your healthy fats and things that that formed the brain. I, you know, it just didn't occur to me. So when I switched over to eating, you know, fish, uh, red meats, and even including, you know, omega three and you know your, your oils, the fatty acid oils that I, I put in my in my uh, drinks, um, I noticed that I'm able to focus more. Um, I'm much more productive. Um, I'm. I feel like I'm socially much more. I'm not an introvert as much. Uh, you know, and that seems to help because I would never go out to clubs, even in college. I would never go do those things i would just stay in the house and you know but as i as i got to like 19 20 21 and yeah and i increased my fats i think it really made me much more smart like i'm able to do things that a lot of people can't do um you know even even with like nutrition it's like oh i know this combination and this combination and this is and but then you know and i, I dig further actually it's not this kind so things that i that like my fiance goes that's way out of my scope you know, and I don't know how you do it. But yeah, so I think the fats really play an important role. They're essential for a reason, right? Essential fatty acids. Are, 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 that's why they're called essential fatty acids. But yeah, it helps. I, I feel like it, it's a world of a difference for me compared to like, you know, I go to these autistic society groups and I can tell the kids or even people my age that are carbohydrate dependent because they're eating like a sandwich or something. So you already know they're carb, carb a carb person and they don't necessarily have to be fat. Like I'm not fat, but for me, I can tell if I have carbs, I get really foggy. It's hard to describe to somebody who, who has never done keto or sees it as a mm -hmm. thing or sort of like, how do you do that? How do you have energy? When I start on keto, especially coming off the carb thing, you have this like two day window where just things are just strange. Cause your body doesn't, it isn't burning fat. It doesn't remember how to burn fat mm -hmm. yet. Once all of the, 
glucose is out of your system, your body starts producing the ketones. Now your body needs about a week for it to start going like, okay, this is how I can power myself. Mm -hmm. And then there's like a clarity and a sharpness and a general feeling of well-being that occurs. That's hard to describe to somebody who's never experienced it, especially Mm -hmm. since most people go from having this incredible sugar rich diet that basically is mainlining fat from the liver right. all over the body, wherever it can stuff the fat yep, yep, yep. to now the body's functioning in a more energy efficient way. Yes. And just the feeling of well being. you don't feel like your brain is being drugged through the mud. It's hard to describe unless you've actually had that experience. Correct. It, it, it's because we're so, unless you grew up with your parents eating, you know, off the land, And even then, you know, that's not as common anymore. You know, even me, I grew up eating carbs. So yeah, unless you were born like that, like when I have kids, I plan to have them living that lifestyle, you know, from the get go so that their, their taste and their bud and all the palates are going to be much more organic. I feel like not tampered with cereals and pop tarts. And I mean, it sounds nice, but you know, do we really need it? Probably not. So it's, it's a world of a difference. You, yeah. If you haven't done it at a low carb or a ketogenic lifestyle or even a carnivore. Yeah. It's hard to explain it. You know, you have to go through it to kind of understand what you and me have done. Now, going back to what you have done. So it was 2003. Yep. You started eating ketogenic though. I can't remember in yep. 2003, whether like, I don't think it was really branded as keto. The, the big um, low carb branding, if I'm remembering correctly around this time was more or less Atkins, but Atkins was more of a package sold fad diet type thing. There was a lot of good science behind it. To a certain extent, but in the first two weeks of it, they do actually tell you to increase your fats um, to get Atkins adapted. So, the, the, but they don't necessarily use the word keto at all. They just say, you know, increase your fats for the first couple of weeks and get acclimated to the Atkins diet is what I've, what I've read. Um, but yeah, nowhere in, during the Atkins phase did they mention that you're going to be in ketosis or anything like that or, you know, any yeah. words, no, no keto words at all. It was just Atkins here, Atkins there. So yeah. After the initial two weeks, then they have you slowly raise up your carbohydrate level to find your parity level where you Correct. stop losing weight. So that was kind of the emphasis it would, but with the keto, it's very much you start cutting out all the carbs you, and you establish. And the important thing is to effectively track it. So, you know, what's happening. I myself right. do it through blood tests that way. Sure. I know very specifically for anyone out there who are, who are is starting keto and you're using the P strips that doesn't really tell you anything aside from the fact that yes, you're producing ketones, but it doesn't tell you whether you're utilizing them. And after right. a while, you know, you're trying to get that strip purple and you can do that maybe in your first week or two. But after that, your body begins utilizing the ketones and the strips never purple again. It's, it's basically yeah. aside from knowing that you're making ketones, it doesn't tell you anything. Yeah. So that is accurate. I mean, it's good for a little bit until it's not. Yeah. It's a good starter, but then if you really want to keep on track of it and if you're doing keto, you probably should, you need the blood test. Yeah, that's, I think that's going to be more accurate. Like my fiance has a keto uh, blood finger uh, machine, Keto Mojo, and that's phenomenal. She I got tests one. herself every, yeah, so she'll test her glucose and then she'll test her ketones. 
It's her, actually her uh, through her insurance. She's going to get a continuous glucose monitor. I'm so jealous. I'm like, man, I want one. Cause she's a data person, so she wants to always see her glucose. You know, that way if she's getting whatever sugar dip or whatever she feels like, because she even though she does keto, you know, for her sometimes, you know, she, she may be because she's a drug rep during the day. So if she has excess food from whatever place, they may have extra carbs, and she may go above twenty. You know, just a little bit, even for her, like just two or three grams above will totally mess her up. She's that sensitive. So, yeah, that's kind of cool to, to track your numbers, like you said, you know, and track your blood. That's going to be the most accurate way. Then you can be for sure accountable for yourself. How strict are you? I'm more strict than her because I don't I don't work at a drug company where they're giving out free food, you know, so I can control myself. But if I was at that party or if they, they had food there, I probably would have a little bit but a lot of times i'm pretty strict for the most because i compete in bodybuilding so and also i'm trying to live indefinitely and as we all know carbs reducing carbs is more than just you know weight loss but also for anti-aging you know inflammation and autophagy which is a whole nother podcast we can get into uh for that but yeah so wrinkles right wrinkle that's the kind of the main reason why i was like man if i can reduce my wrinkles that's the not that i have them yet but but that's the one thing people forget. If you can start reducing your carbohydrates, you'll look so much younger. That's the one thing. So me and one of my best friends, we both are uh, exercise enthusiasts. He's a PE coach and he works out, but he just looks older than me because he will. He does higher carbohydrates than me, even though we both work out and we both do the exact same thing. You know, we're fit. We, we try to eat healthy foods, but his definition of healthy foods is low fat, high carbs, uh, and he does it with vegetables, but it's still carbohydrates, right? So, uh, but yeah, he just has gray hairs and he just, he looks 10 years older than me, but I try to stay as strict as I can because I compete. So, um, it's, it's a lifestyle and who doesn't love meat? Well, yeah, <laughs> well, vegetarians as, as a case in point, but otherwise, but I know what you're saying. Fair enough. So what does your diet look like in a given day? Take us through a day. So also you are very fit. You are, you do have like nice muscles. And also these are muscles that naturally, I believe your body wouldn't have necessarily wanted that you had to sort of convince your body to take on because you are, you are a small kid. Yeah. So I didn't realize. So here's another thing you may not know, but I don't produce uh, hormones. I don't produce testosterone. And that's one thing that eating a higher fat lifestyle does is it will optimize your hormone level so i was producing like 100 and so if the range is you know 300 to 800 or whatever it bumped my levels not necessarily really high but it got my levels up to like two three hundred so i bumped up a couple hundred just from increasing my fats um i think it, it may have to do with the carnitine in the, the red meats um i'm not quite sure but i know just increasing my my fats definitely optimize my hormones better. So, so prior to keto, you, you effectively didn't have much in the way of testosterone, right? Doing keto raised you into, correct into like the lower end of the normal range, Yes, but at least got you into the ballpark. Yeah. They're like, what'd you do? I'm like, well, I just increased my fats. I cut out my carbohydrate. And I think it's all the soy, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of our diet, you know, in American diet nowadays, has soy and, and, and phytoestrogen. Or corn. Corn too. But I feel like it has a lot of phytoestrogen in there, which I can't for sure say, but I think it definitely hinders your testosterone level. Because uh, I know when people do red meat, you know, they definitely look bigger. 
Whereas for whatever reason, even vegan bodybuilders compared to like meat bodybuilders, you can definitely tell for whatever reason, something about red meat and something about animal protein. Um, so yeah, I do a lot of red meats. Uh, I do a lot of Wagyu, but that's because I am Japanese and it just melts in your mouth. So that's a really, and it's not like gritty fat, right? On the, the outside, it's fat that it's high in oleic acid. It's well marbled. Yes. And so I'll do a lot of that. Um, and I do a lot of, uh, uh, even when I do fast food, because remember I have a full-time business, so I'm driving around all the time. I'll do it. Uh, five guys burger without the bun. I'll do a bacon cheeseburger without the bun. You know, I'll just do extra cheese and extra bacon. I was going to say, worst comes to worst, you can drive through Carl's and get their lettuce wrapped. And strangely enough, Carl's is one of the few places that know how to wrap their lettuce wrap so that it's like a pocket that the burger sits in so you can eat it with your hand. Yeah, so I just do lettuce wrap or I'll do it in a bowl and just get a fork and knife. Uh, then a lot of jerky. I do a lot of, uh, not necessarily jerky, but biltong. Because biltong, and that's the one thing that you got to be careful with jerky. They'll add a lot of uh, sugar. And so you end up having like five, six grams of, of sugar, whether it comes from brown sugar or molasses, or they'll, they'll disguise it with whatever else, fructose, you know, and the other ingredients. But biltong um, is pretty much just salt, pepper, and, and beef. So I do a lot of biltong snacks. And that, like one bag of biltong gets you like 30 grams of protein, you know, and then I do a lot of avocados avocados and eggs for fats and fish so i do like a lot of sashimi so my local uh grocery store in the back gets fresh sashimi so i'll do like tuna and uh, salmon i'll mix it up between spicy and non-spicy and so that's kind of most of my day and cheeses uh anytime i can get a chance i'll do cheese so that that keeps me satiated the fats and the cheese are really good oh there's nothing better than cheese and it's sad. It's sad that I am somewhat allergic to it, but still. Yeah, I know, right? You're telling me. Yeah, that that was the entire fall of this year was um, having the massive allergies. And it turns out it's at least partially related to dairy, though I think there's also other elements involved. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. So you've effectively, over the course of your early 20s and whatnot, very focused on living the low carb lifestyle, the ketogenic mm -hmm. lifestyle. Yep. And which is you're, you're very adamant about not calling it a diet. It's not a diet. Everything's a diet. Nothing's a diet for you. It's not a diet. This is your eating methodology, right? It's a way of living is how I look at it. What led you to desserts? What led you to go like, okay, I know that this is the way I eat, but I still miss something. I still want something i assume that's what you did is that what you did i mean it, I, I came to that conclusion but for many years i just figured okay if i'm gonna eat healthy i don't need that kind of stuff but then i would see people eat desserts and i'm like well i kind of miss it but i kind of don't and what really hit me was when my fiance's best friend died from cancer and we were in the hospital and all her family member overweight of course um was eating like cakes and whatever and you know while they're waiting and we're giving her jello. And I'm like, really? Like jello as a dessert? Like that's kind of horrible. So then we started like looking around grocery stores to see if there was anything that was low carbohydrate, but I didn't see anything as far as like desserts go. Uh, there was low carb and low fat, but we didn't want that, right? We needed some kind of fat and we just couldn't find it. So then we started messing around. And by that point, then it was too late. So her friend passed away uh, and nothing we can do, but we're like, okay, 
no one's still making desserts. Let's just kind of goof around. And then we were like, let's just test it out at the house. And we were giving them to friends and family. And they're like, this is really good. You need to start selling it. So we kind of started on Facebook. And that's kind of how I started with the desserts was like, again, for myself, it didn't occur to me because I'm fairly strict. But then I was like, what about these other people that that want desserts but can't have it? Therefore, they may not necessarily do a low carb lifestyle because they you know, they, they, and so that's when we're like a, the aha moment. What was your first dessert? Uh, we started with uh, the lemon poppy seed uh, muffin, which was really popular, but because a lot of uh, ingredients are, are really hard to get in the keto fashion. So finding like freeze dried lemons, a lot of times they'll still add dextrose. So they'll still add a form of carbohydrate, which in the ketogenic, strict ketogenic lifestyle, uh, we don't like to touch. So it's really hard to do, but then, we so we started with muffins uh predominantly and then we quickly moved into cheesecakes uh so we wanted to be able to mix it up right having the same thing over and over kind of gets boring it doesn't matter if it's a muffin that's chocolate or coffee or lemon or whatever if the texture is the same eventually you're going to kind of get bored right it's like just eating chips all day yeah and so they were like okay let's do cheesecakes and we're like okay that's a different texture uh and that took a little bit that was a lot harder because of the process doing the crust, keeping that low carb with uh, uh, almond flour and just a lot of little things, you know, uh, 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 walnuts, things that were low carb, but yet structural. Again, so when you're doing a ketogenic bakery, the structure, that's the other thing, right, is not only coming up with new textured products, but can it structurally hold up because you don't have the yeast and the carbs to ha- have that structure. That's the other problem with fats. They, they melt Yeah, there's no, there's no... There's no glucose, like, cause a lot of the structure of baked goods is how the gluten of the wheat yep. structures itself. And yeah, gluten is in like glue kind of is how I look at it. It's hard to get keto products to get that nice airy right. feel because how baked goods get it is yeast produces gas that gets trapped in the webbing of the, of the gluten. And that produces that kind of spongy airy texture sure sure almond flour doesn't get you the same sort of not not nearly as much so yeah so then we started playing with cheesecakes and now we do cookies as well so uh, i don't know if you've tried our cookies maybe you have if not we'll have to uh set up some time to do that uh so cookies are another one that we did because again we wanted to mix it up you know that way you can trust Rather than go to 10 different companies and try to figure out, okay, maybe this is good. Then you got to, you know what I mean? And try, I'd rather know that one company has a wide variety, like a regular bakery, you know? And, right. and that's, that's what we wanted. That's what we were trying to look for is what would you see in a regular bakery? You know, even like the scones from, you know, the uh, raspberry scone bars at um, Starbucks. You know, we, we do that seasonally because that's really, that's one of our top sellers during the holidays our raspberry scone bars because people miss that. So we, we, we look at things that people like normally, like at a Starbucks or at a bakery, and we try to mimic those those things because the idea is we want you to be able to not tell the difference, right? If it's a coffee cake, it should still taste like a coffee cake. Chocolate should chill, still taste like chocolate. So, you know, we kind of, we wanted to be not necessarily like a, like a bakery that has these exact exuberant, uh, wedding cakes with all sorts of decoration, but more functional, functional at the same time as getting, you know, you want your coffee and you want your, your coffee cake and not feel guilty. 
So that was kind of our goal. And so we're, so we do a wide variety of desserts, but that was kind of the start was with the muffins to the cheesecake. So then now we're learning all the seasonal things uh, that we can do. And again, it, it's, it's, it takes 10 times, 10, 20 times, like our, our cinnamon rolls, which are really, it's probably our most popular. They are really good. I will absolutely say. Um, that took us probably almost two years to, to, to make. That was a, that was a tough one. When you came to the gym, you came with a box and in the box were, it was six items. There were two of each. It was two chocolate muffins, two coffee cakes, and two cinnamon rolls. Yep. And you were very adamant. Like you definitely want to heat up the cinnamon rolls. Yes. That you want to get the best experience. And uh, those, those didn't survive the morning for me. They just didn't. Yeah. One of our guys, he said it went from a 10 out of 10 to a 15 out of 10, because I, and this is why I, I start telling people to heat it up is I forgot, you know, cause again, I grew up not having desserts for the longest time. So I forgot what a cinnamon roll tastes like for me, coffee cake, cold, it's fine. It's great. If it's warm, it's great either way, but cinnamon roll, the moment you heat it up, even if you know, put it in the microwave for like 10 seconds, just enough. It kind of, I don't know. It just activates the cinnamon. It, it gets the aromatics yeah. going. Exactly. So it really does all, all the aroma, but it's a different experience. I mean, that's why when you go to the mall, mm-hmm. there's always a Cinnabon and it's always warm because that smell just permeates. Yes. And that's also why real estate agents have cinnamon cookies or cinnamon just to that smell just really speaks directly into the soul. So. You're absolutely correct. So that one took almost two years to make. So what you had was two years in the making. Uh, because again, what you're used to, what we're used to with cinnamon rolls is this fluffy, big, you know, oversized, ready, you know, product. And here we are, you know, trying to mimic something similar. Uh, and again, with with almond flour, it's not the same, but you know, after two years, we've got, including yourself, we've had some of the top, uh, uh, keto experts that, that review products say that this was a phenomenal product. So I, I'm very proud of that product. Right now in, in society, you can get keto snacks just about everywhere. Now, the, the quality and validity of them, you know, can vary wildly from product to product. There's lots of products mm-hmm. that are, quote unquote, sugar free, keto friendly, but they're very high in malitol. Yes. If one carbohydrate gets you four calories worth of sugar, your malitol gets you 50% of that. So while, yes, it's not right. having table sugar it also is not low carb correct if it's got 20 grams of malitol you are getting 10 grams of sugar the equivalent of 10 grams of sugar right you have to be careful what's in your products your stuff yes was your stuff is high end it's it's just that simple your stuff is more of um bougie very bougie you are there's very few things in the world more bougie than you james <laughs> of course not <laughs> But I mean, I mean, we take pride, I mean, especially for me, because I'm always looking and that's part of my autism is I'm always looking for the highest quality ingredient, something, you know, uh, some of our competitors may or may not do. And I can tell based on looking at the label and, and cost or margins, you know, sometimes companies are doing it strictly because of the keto word mm-hmm. and half the people there, like I go to the trade shows and half the people that sell keto products aren't even doing it. They're just selling it because that's what the company tells them to sell. You know, for me, it's a passion. It's a lifestyle. You know, my friend passed away. My fiance's best friend passed away. We're on a mission to really help people. So, you know, maybe our margins aren't the best. 
compared to some of the other competitors. But, you know, that's what makes our product that much higher in quality. And I stand behind it 100% because of that. Um, it's just, just, and I'm proud to say that, you know, and, and a lot of companies may, may or may not think that their product is bad. But, you know, to me, I have a very strict standard. Um, and so, you know, cause I want everyone to have it. That's the problem is that a lot of products, especially like with Malatol, great example, is not everyone likes the taste of it because it doesn't mimic the taste of sugar. And if you're trying to switch someone from a sugar-based lifestyle to a, a sugar-free based lifestyle, you want, uh, the sweetener that's going to mostly resemble sugar, right? Because those are the people you're after. Keto people, whether they know about our desserts or not, most likely will do keto because they're, they're strict, but then there's people that won't switch over because like, ah, that thing, that's kind of chemically tasty and it tastes artificial. So I'm not going to do keto if I have to have these desserts. And that's not the company I wanted people, us, people to refer us to. Like I have people that don't even do keto. Uh, it's funny. One of our coffee shops, great example. Uh, they, they, they're diabetic. So they're like, this is my one cheat dessert I have because it has sugar and I, you know, I'll just take my insulin or glucophage and I'll be fine. And I happen to be walking in dropping off product one day and the owner's like, keto, keto coming in. It's like, Oh yes. He's like, wait, this is a keto product. I had no idea. I thought this was my car. You know, he couldn't tell the difference. That's awesome. You know, and that's kind of, that's our, that, that, and so now he's telling all his friends, but those are the people we really want is people that don't necessarily do keto because they're on the fence that, that they don't have these desserts that normal people have, you know? Well, even if you're not doing keto. That would be great because it's just great. Like, so for me, you would say, why do I need to do keto when I'm not overweight, right? That's the big craze. Uh, but for autism, uh, for, for not, you know, if you're tired all the time and you're taking these naps because you're getting the sugar crash, you may not necessarily be overweight, but you're just really tired all the time. Uh, for the brain, you know, if you, uh, Alzheimer's, they're, they're finding now that uh, uh, carbohydrate reduction is phenomenal for Alzheimer's. Reduction. They're calling so, they're calling Alzheimer's diabetes type, type three. three. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. They believe that it's so, actually caused by it, it or it's certainly highly influ- affected by the correct. standard American diet and the strong amounts of sugars in it. At, that might be one of the very least extenuating factors if not the direct cause so uh, people like that um bodybuilders can do it you know a lot of bodybuilders now are actually switching over to carb reduction because they're starting to become you know a lot lot, i'm learning this now is they're 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 consuming so many carbs that they're becoming type 2 diabetic because their pancreas can't you know they're carbon up they're carbon down they're carbon up they're carbon down as they compete and eventually their 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 body's like too much too much and so they may not have necessarily. Yeah, it takes a lot of calories to to build that kind of mass. And if you look at a weight gainer, mm-hmm. most weight gainers aren't protein drinks. There's protein in them. Yep. You get the jar and it says two thousand calories on it. Well, oh, what yeah. is that? It's all sugar. Your body. You're absolutely right. So, even yeah. So nowadays, bodybuilders are carb reducing uh, arthritis, right? So uh, if you have arthritis, inflammation, so people that have arthritis, yes. So, I mean, so, I mean, pretty much the list goes on and on and on and on, and on for people that should reduce their carbohydrates. Again, remember, there's essential amino acids, because obviously you need it for muscle, essential fatty acids, we talked about brain development, joints, ligaments, you need it, lubrication. But is there really essential carbohydrates? There isn't. When you think your body makes carbs from excess protein or from excess fat, if we can even just reduce our carbs even by 50%, you know, 
Um, one of our latest products, now we now that we've transitioned with our new logo, this is our old logo, but with our new logo to KDC, uh, we are now coming out with, uh, we just started making bagels uh, for the savory side. So that's something I would love for you to try, especially because bagels are a lot. Look, I'm, I am, I am a, I am a Jew. So am I. So uh, certainly cu- culturally. Bagels are a lot. Yes. <laughs> bagels are a lot. So, so that's. Cheese. And capers. Not capers for me. I, they taste like soap. I'm one of those people. I don't like capers, but I figured, <laughs> I don't know, when I always go to my, my family side or when I used to, I'm not, I'm not so religious now, but when I was a kid, I'd do all the holidays. And I remember in the morning, we'd have bagels and cream cheese with locks. And man, that was good. But now, so, so we, so that's our latest product is savory side. So that's another thing, right? People that just miss their, their, their uh, savory bagels, their savory breads. We didn't have that as a kid. They didn't have low carb bagels and low carb bread. And so that's our newest product is our, our I mean, think of the our... low carb bagel that if there's an oxymoron in anything you've said, this entire I know, right? interview is low carb bagel. <laughs> yeah. I tell that to my uncle that he was like, what? That makes no sense. Especially, you know, the other product I would love to expand that line so that we can get those people, right. It's an oxymoron, but yeah. man, that's one thing I've always missed in our product line is something safe. Now your next challenge is that low carb French loaf. I'm working on something like that. I was trying to do a challah bread, um, low carb challah bread, but that's, Oh really tough. man, man, um, that, that, that would be a challenge because th- that lightness, that light fluffiness, mm-hmm. that is like key to the challah. Yeah. So there's so many, but it's a fun project. So that's the other side of baking that I enjoy is that I look at it as a problem that I have to solve. How do I t- deconstruct a collard bread or whatever, something carbohydrate based and how can I, you know, cause we didn't have that as a kid. So I wouldn't have known to start back then, but I'm like, if I can learn now, like the bagel or the bread or whatever, you know, and say, let's do the exact same thing, but low carb, we just got to replace X, Y, and Z with A, B, and C. And so that's the, that's another fun part that you don't get to see, right? You just see the end product, right? but the challenge to me is exciting, just as exciting as letting you eat it because for you to eat it is two years in the works or one year in the work. And now I get to reveal it to the world, you know, and I finally cracked the code kind of sort of, so to speak. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I would say. So the baking thing, which was, as you said, you were, this kid didn't really you know, you ate the standard sugary stuff, but like dessert wasn't like your this big thing. And it even wasn't a concern once you got into your bodybuilding and you went into the car because right. you were just like into your fitness. You didn't care about desserts, but now desserts are your life. It is because now that a real see and being autistic, I was I didn't have empathy. So to me, I'm like, oh, you don't need desserts. Just cut out your carbs. <laughs> you don't need desserts like it didn't occur to me. Right. So that's one of the things in autism. Uh, the social cues and the interaction, not understanding other people. And thank gosh for my fiance, but she's like, well, yeah, but just because you don't eat desserts doesn't mean other people miss out and they want their desserts. I'm like, okay. So it took me a while to understand, but that's one of the things that the keto really helped me with was really to to understand and and empathize with people. And, And I feel like the days that I don't consume enough fats, I feel like I'm not as empathetic, even with my parents. I can, they can tell the difference. When you began eating 
the low carb and you began going into the keto lifestyle, it actually increased your emotional bandwidth. Yes, it definitely for sure. Uh, and I didn't know it until someone physically pointed out and said, you're much more empathetic or, you know, you're really starting to under, I'm like, okay, because up until that, it was like, well, do I really understand people? You know, so, so now that I can really lay it down and maybe it didn't occur to me at the time when I was reducing my carbohydrates, but once I look, like I look back now, I'm like, okay, if I did consume carbs, maybe I wouldn't have understood what they were going through because the way my brain works. But yeah, definitely uh, empathy is something that really got to me with the desserts was, again, I, I feel like if you don't need to have desserts, you don't. But now my world has completely changed and I understand that there, there's still, you know, I need to find that yin-yang balance that not everyone's going to be super strict and not have any dessert and only have meat all day long and cheese and fish and that's it. You know, I'm, I, I realize that there's still a gray area. Um, and so I'm getting better at that. Uh, it's a work in progress, as always, uh, like a lifestyle. You know, you're always improving. Yeah, the dessert thing definitely is. It's, it's part of that we derive, as most human creatures do, derive comfort from the food we eat. And having dessert yes. is a form of reward. And we're certainly well trained into that. Lord knows, my mom made sure I was definitely a highly skilled, trained comfort eater. And But even if you weren't, if that hadn't happened to you, it's it's just part of the, for most, the human condition that food equals to some degree comfort and reward. So to, to right. imagine for a lot of people, they're alive completely without it. Yeah. I mean, unfort I, 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 I wish I admire people. I, I deeply admire people who could simply go like, I can live off boiled chicken. I can't. Yeah. So. Of course. And that's the hard part, understanding people and, and being able to empathize with them. You but know? you're doing good work. You're doing good work by whether it necessarily fully clicks or whatnot. You're creating for people whom for them, for their pursuits and for their health and their lifestyle to be on the right path. They do have to restrict these types of things. With this new year coming up, surprises, hopefully we'll be up in the LA area. And definitely we will keep you in the loop for that. So, but, and also how is, how's this sh uh, shipping thing going? Because clearly this podcast is going to be going out in two weeks, but the thing about podcasts are, are they are there. And if somebody starts finding my podcast, they'll start finding this episode and they might be doing keto and they might go and they might be in Nebraska doing keto and have tired of the Weight Watchers candies or whatever, or the Atkin brand candies and want something else. Sure, and this sure. sounds really, really appealing. They might want to know how they can get it. Can they get mm -hmm. it? So that's what we've been working on this this year is, again, because they are desserts, not like a bar that's processed where it can get tossed and turned. Uh, we finally have fairly got down the process on shipping. So once we can get packaging ship uh, uh, ready, because with the COVID, everything kind of got delayed, obviously. Supply chain issues. Y yes. Killing everybody. Even for small businesses. But so that's our goal for January uh, this coming year is we'll be announcing shipping. But at the time being, if you're in California, San Diego has several coffee shops. Uh, you can check that out on KetoDessertCompany.com. We list all the coffee shops and grocery stores that do carry us. 
we are going to be expanding uh, to possibly Orange County as well as Los Angeles. And uh, we may have a location in San Francisco as another key. That's really popular up there. So those will be things we're working on that have designated spots that will carry our products. And as far as shipping goes, if all goes well within the first quarter, uh, we will hopefully uh, be shipping uh, anywhere that will allow us to do two-day shipping. I definitely want to help our people. Speaking of helping people, you bodybuild, you pursue this pursue this diet. The purpose of this podcast, one, is to follow my ups and downs of my fitness journey, which right now, you know, peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys but also to help people who themselves have various issues. What bits of advice might you have for somebody who is trying to get a handle back on their fitness? See if you can find a buddy, buddy or a fiance or a girlfriend or a significant other, someone that you can do it with. Right. So because my fiance loves the way I cook my meats and vice versa, we can do that. And so it makes it makes it that much easier when you know that you're both going to be eating the same thing. I think that really helps. Or even my one of my best friends, we both live that lifestyle. Uh, I got him onto the ketogenic lifestyle. He would have never known about it. But because we hold each other accountable, it keeps me that much further because now he wants to refer people to me. So it's that much harder for me to stop living that lifestyle. So it's accountability but also having people that like-minded people that you're surrounded with. So that majority of the day or majority of the year, however you look at it, you know, you're, you're with those kind of people. It just makes it easier, I think. And then determination. Support and support, support and reinforcement. I think, I, I really think that's the best way because I couldn't have done it without, you know, for me, it was the podcast and listening to the other doctors and scientists talk about how great it is. That was my support my autistic brain right but and maybe for you it could be a friend maybe for someone else it could be their significant other you know so i would say support if you can have support like in this podcast uh you know where you can listen to people that that are going through the lifestyle i think that's inspirational maybe i can do it too now that i've heard these two guys do it you know so james i really appreciate you being here with me this morning do you have any final thoughts advice or just Pearls of wisdom for my listeners? I would say, you know, just taking the first step, listening to his podcast, listening, uh, you know, to what I have to say, even just just hearing the word keto in this podcast, you're going to go, okay, now you're going to be curious. You have a seed in your head and you might want to look into it further. Now you're going to dig further. You're going, okay, this is not as bad as what I thought. So I think the first step in my, that's what I would say, just you know, just start somewhere, even if it's just reading or listening to the podcast while you're, you know, going to work and just sucking the information. What you do with that information obviously is up to you, but, um, you know, just, just get something in your head so that you can go, man, I wish, like, I wish I knew about this when I was a kid and I could have told my parents, do you know about this ketogenic lifestyle? You know, but you know, obviously I didn't know that. And maybe that would have started them looking into it when I was 10 or 11 where, so, I think, you know, it's just, it's great that we have podcasts like these where we can educate people and let people know that the average person like you and me can do it. Everyone always thinks, oh man, you have to have money or you have to, you know, I'm just the Joe Schmo on the street like you and me. And, you know, it's very tangible and manageable. You know, if I can do it, 
especially with my my the way my brain works i think many people should be inspired to be able to start somewhere you know whether it's here in this podcast or where wherever your journey starts and speaking about finding people where we might be able to find them where their journey starts james where can people find you when they're not finding you here Awesome. Awesome. So we do have a website, ketodessertcompany.com. We also have social media, Facebook and Instagram, Keto Dessert Company. Uh, we are in a lot of the local coffee shops in San Diego. Um, and then definitely on our website, we list all the different locations. You can always DM us as well. Uh, and we can tell you all the shops we're in. And as for me, I am the fittest fat kid, you know, and again, surprisingly, you're finding me in your earbuds right now, or ear canal, or whatever passes for your way of hearing. I have socials. My socials are at FittestFatKid, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, even a Facebook page. If you have a question, a thought, if you want to share your fitness journey with me, if you need somebody to reach out to and there's just nobody in your immediate circle, I am here for you. And I am here at Hi there at fittestfatkid.com. And speaking of .coms, it's still not there. I still don't have a website, but I'm going to get one at some point soon. And that will eventually be somewhere sometime in the future. www.fittestfatkid.com. So, no matter who you are, no matter where you're at in life, remember, hold yourself accountable, but do it with kindness and understanding. And I'll talk to you next week.